0: On today's episode, we are going to be chatting about a topic that I find very interesting and I think a lot of you will be curious to learn more about, and that is histamine intolerance. This is something that I have struggled with before. It took me a long time to figure out that I was dealing with mast cell activation syndrome, which is causing histamine intolerance, and I was very grateful for today's guest for helping me get to the root of that. Today, I'm chatting with my dear friend, Dr. Becky Campbell. She has been on this podcast before. You might remember her from episode 137, where we talked all about thyroid health. If you're not familiar with Dr. Becky Campbell, she is a board-certified doctor of natural medicine who was initially introduced to functional medicine as a patient. She struggled with thyroid disease, histamine intolerance, and that is why She has written multiple books about these topics. She specializes in autoimmune disease, thyroid disease, and histamine intolerance for that reason because she has so much experience in it, and obviously that goes along with gut health as well. She is the author of The 30-Day Thyroid Reset Plan, and her latest release is The Four-Phase Histamine Reset Plan. And She wrote these books so that people who can't afford to work with a practitioner can get a really step-by-step approach to working through those issues, and I highly, highly recommend these books. They are very digestible, easy to follow, and she gives great advice, a ton of delicious recipes. I really recommend checking them out. She's also offering a freebie to help you if you're struggling with histamine intolerance, and that is linked in the show notes. Dr. Becky Campbell and I became friends after our first podcast together, and she worked with me as my doctor. She's been such a huge help to me, and she's just such a down-to-earth person. I really love the way she conveys information because I think she makes complex topics easy to understand. While also diving into the nuances, and not that many people talk about histamine intolerance, so in this episode we are going to chat all about what it is, symptoms, the root causes, and what to do if you think you have it. And if you want more from Dr. Becky Campbell, you can always find her at drbeckycampbell.com. Dot com and on Instagram at Dr. Becky Campbell And before we hop into today's episode, I want to tell you about the sponsor of today's show, one of my favorite companies, and that is Blue Blocks. I've tried so many different blue light blocking glasses over the years, and these are by far the best. I feel the difference physically, and in terms of the science, these are the only glasses out there that are 100% backed by the science. Those orange glasses are not giving you the full results. They're not blocking the full range of blue and green light that we really need to get all of the benefits of blue light blocking glasses. And if you are thinking, what are the benefits of these? Well, let me tell you. First of all, these will change your sleep. If you struggle with sleep at all, you need these in your life. You'll get better sleep, deeper sleep, more REM sleep, more deep sleep. You'll have more energy during the day. You'll be more productive. This can help reduce any headaches or eye strain. Also improves your mood and balances out your hormones. It can balance out your hunger signals. There are so many benefits. And I recommend listening to my episode with Andy Mant all about this topic. That is episode 230. This is the easiest biohack ever that will have a huge impact on. On How you feel it is so simple and a one-time investment and I really recommend everybody gets a pair of these well really ideally two pairs because you want to get the sleep plus red lenses for at night when it goes dark put those on and then during the day you want to either wear the blue Lit clear lens or the summer glow yellow lens. I wear the blue light clear lens because it's better for people who work in natural lighting. And then the summer glow yellow lens is better for people who work under intense artificial lighting or anyone who struggles with seasonal depression. As someone who works on a computer or phone most of the day, if I don't wear these, I have such a bad headache. I feel moody and grumpy. I my eyes just feel exhausted. So these are, these are pivotal for me. Blue Blocks has about 20 frames to pick from. You can also send in your own frames and you can use their custom prescription service if you need a prescription. There are so many styles to pick from. You will definitely find one that you like. I like a few different styles, but my favorites are the Parker lenses. And for every pair they sell, Blue Blocks donates a pair of reading glasses to Restoring Vision, who gifts those reading glasses is someone in need, so I really love their mission to give back. So if you're interested in optimizing your hormones and improving your sleep, check these out at blueblocks.com, that's B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com, and you can use my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S, for 15% off. Again, that's blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com, and my code wellness will get you 15% off. W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S. So if you are ready to dive into all things histamine intolerance, then just sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview with Dr. Becky Campbell. Well, Dr. Becky Campbell, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast. It's a pleasure to see you today. (laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) So if people aren't familiar with you, why don't you go ahead and give yourself a brief introduction? Okay. So I specialize, I'm a functional
1: medicine doctor. I specialize in thyroid health and also histamine intolerance, but I work with a lot of issues in general. Um, But mostly those two things because those are both things I've struggled with. So I have Hashimoto's disease, and I have mast cell activation syndrome, which is the cause of my histamine intolerance. So we'll kind of go into that a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, when we're talking about causes. But so those are the things that really, I know I've been really sick on and off in my life, and I've gotten better with functional medicine. And so I wanted to help other people do the same thing. So this is what I do. And so I wanted to then help people to Learn about this stuff that I can't afford to work with someone one on one. So that's when I created these books. I have a thyroid book and then a histamine book that just came out.
0: Yeah. And so if people want to dive deeper into your personal story, I recommend listening to the podcast that we recorded, God knows how long ago. um, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. A long time ago. So I will link to that in the show notes. And I got really excited that you were talking about histamine intolerance because I feel like not that many people talk about it, like actually go in depth and help people figure out how to get rid of those symptoms. So can you tell tell us a little bit more about like how you figured out that you were dealing with histamine intolerance? Yeah, so I had been diagnosed with my
1: thyroid issue and I got a lot better by changing my diet and working on my gut health and, um you know, changing the way I was exercising, you know, really looking for the underlying cause of it. But I was noticing that certain foods that were really healthy that I was eating were giving me weird symptoms. So I would eat and I would get either really tired or I would get a migraine or I would get these weird crawling sensations on my head. Um, That was kind of like my go-to symptom. And, or I would flush or I would notice my heart rate increasing. And I was like, what is this? This is some, and so I thought I had food sensitivities, which is what a lot of people think that they have. Um, But it wasn't necessarily like food sensitivities. It was more the histamine in these certain foods was too high for my body because my body genetically could not break down histamine well. Mm-hmm. um and so i was getting an influx of histamine that was just lingering around and there's so many receptor sites all over the body for histamine that you get symptoms like everywhere and you're so confused as to what's happening mm-hmm. so that's kind of how i then i started to learn read about you know like i i think someone t- told me about mast activation syndrome and then i started researching it and like really diving in and i was like oh my gosh this is what i have finally like And then started working with patients on it.
0: So let's clarify for people. So like what is mast cell activation syndrome? And -hmm. then how is that connected to histamine intolerance? So when mast cell activation syndrome, I I feel like um,
1: the best way to describe it and to differentiate between the two is, you know, if you have kind of had strange symptoms uh, for a long time. So like when I was a kid, I was very intolerant to heat. I would pass out in the heat. I would get hives for no reason. I would get a mosquito bite and it would look like a mountain and stay red for a week. And, um, you know, not even having, I didn't even have like allergies, but I would get hives sometimes or, you know, flush very easily. I was always tired. I had migraines when I was a kid. Um, So I think that that may be a big factor in knowing if it's just histamine intolerance due to like a poor gut health or if it's like mass activation syndrome which is just causing your body to release too much histamine and it's something that you've kind of struggled with and it, it does get worse as you get older you know but you know a lot of people reach out to me and they say like my kids i'm noticing they have like a poor response to strawberries or avocados and they're having like histamine reaction and I'm, you know, think that if they were never on antibiotics and never don't have any reason of poor gut health in their baby, they might have mast cell activation syndrome, mm-hmm. or at least a genetic, um, like the the some gene mutations can cause it too. So it's basically causing the enzyme that breaks down histamine not to be, you know, present in the right amounts in the body.
0: Okay. So does everybody with mast cell activation syndrome have histamine intolerance?
1: Yeah. I mean, because you you can't tolerate the amount of histamine that's mm. being released. So that's – and with mass activation syndrome, it's a lot more severe mm. because there's over 200 triggers. I mean, you can, like, smell something and you're triggered. Mm. You know, your body just releases histamine, like, every time the wind blows, it seems like. So that's not the case with histamine intolerance. Histamine intolerance, it's more – Maybe you um, you know you're, you've had like too much bacteria in the gut and or too much yeast or parasites or something, and it's been going on for a while, and you have a lot of stress, and your estrogen's high, which drives histamine, um, and you're deficient in some vitamins that really help to support that DAO enzyme. And then, and I like to call this filling up your histamine bucket. So let's say you had a bucket and you mm-hmm. put all those things in there. Then you eat that high histamine food, like an avocado or fermented foods, and you respond poorly. Mm -hmm. So you might get a migraine. You may get anxiety. You may get flushing. You may get tightness in the throat, um, vertigo, eczema. You know, a lot of people notice their their eczema flaring with certain foods are usually Mm -hmm. histamine-related.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think most people think of, like, hives and skin rashes and eczema with histamine. But Mm -hmm. you were mentioning it can also be, like, you know, mental, like – anxiety, right? Yes. Um, anxiety. You know, what's
1: a really good um, indicator is if your nose runs when yeah. you eat, Interesting. um, sometimes people will say their ears clog when they're eating mm-hmm. and, um, or drinking <laughs> like alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many different things with panic attacks, anxiety. Like a lot of people will say. I'm not an anxious person. Like I'm a really outgoing person, but I get anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's like my body has anxiety, but I don't have anxiety. Yeah. And that's usually due to, you know, when you get histamine intolerance, you really start to get anxiety a lot.
0: Yeah. And what about gut issues? Hmm. So I would say,
1: what, maybe 85% of the population has gut issues. Yeah. Um, if they haven't, you know, already been working on them. Yeah, at least. So people who come to me, they. I mean, I would say ninety five percent of the people who come to me have some type of gut infection. So, I look for SIBO, which is a small intestine bacterial overgrowth. I look for yeast overgrowth, which people refer to as candida, um, parasites, bacterial um, imbalance in the large intestine. So. These bacteria, they produce histamine mm-hmm. and so that can be a problem. Plus the enzyme that breaks down histamine is made in the gut. Most mm-hmm. most of the you know, it's made other places too, but in the gut mostly. So if you have poor gut health, you're not gonna be making enough of that enzyme to break down that histamine that's released when we need it to be released, because histamine's not a bad thing. We want histamine. Mm-hmm. We just want it to go away after its job is done. But when you don't have that enzyme to break it down, that's when it doesn't, and mm-hmm. it builds up.
0: Okay. So basically, the gut issues could be the, a root cause for the histamine intolerance. Um, for sure. But do you ever see people who don't have any gut issues, and they have, like, mast cell activation syndrome, histamine, and then that gives them gut issues? No. Okay. I usually see um, – and it's hard – I mean, I can't
1: say no as far as what came first, mm-hmm. but I don't think – technically that histamine intolerance gives you gut issues. I think you get it because of the gut issue more than the other way. Yeah. Yeah. You can have mass activation syndrome and have like, you know, a a genetic mutation in one of your enzymes that breaks down histamine Mm -hmm. and not have any gut issues. And, Mm -hmm yes, you can have gut infections and have zero signs of that. Yeah. People will be like, I'm fine. I go to the bathroom twice a day and I'm not bloated. And, that, and then I check them and, and that's how I was. I had candida and parasites. They had no idea. Yeah. I'm like, what? I'm not like constipated or bloated or I, I was, I felt fine there.
0: Mm-hmm. But,
1: um, you know, a lot of times people with histamine to- tolerance actually get diarrhea more than constipation, but it can go both ways.
0: Gotcha. Why did you, you told me like so long ago, like a year and a half ago that you thought I had histamine intolerance and I don't think I really realized I had it until like two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't believe you, but do you remember why you told me that? Was it because I my Maybe.
1: I feel like you had some other symptom now because gut issues can be the root of Five thousand problems, mm-hmm. right? So I never go. Oh, you have gut issues. You have histamine intolerance.
2: Yeah,
1: because okay. all of my thyroid patients have hist or have gut issues too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it was just that, but maybe it was the way you were responding to certain foods. I think it was probably that. Like when people are telling me certain foods that they bloat with, or they. Get whatever their symptom that could be on digestion related, mm-hmm. um, but whatever their their symptom is, and they are getting it in response to a high histamine food, yeah, which is not saying food sensitivity, the high histamine food, then I start thinking histamine tolerance, and then I start asking them, do you ever get dizzy? do you have how do you feel after you work out? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how did you feel as a kid? You mm-hmm. know like all that stuff too,
0: yeah. What foods are the highest in histamines? Can you give us some examples? Yeah.
1: Um, fermented foods are really high in histamine because when food ferments, it creates this uh, histamine-producing bacteria. So the problem is, is like, you know what? A couple years ago, everything was like, do fermented foods. Everyone eat fermented food? Do You have gut issues. Do fermented foods, which can be really helpful. But also, if you have histamine tolerance, it can be like the death of you. You know what I mean? Not really, but- make you feel like that. And um, and for me, they were my biggest trigger. And I love fermented foods. Like mm-hmm. I really, really love fermented foods. But I get, I would get really bad, my skin would get really bad. You know, I would get like red peeling around my nose and then like peeling and stuff from around my, my hairline. And I was like, what is this? And why is this only happening sometimes? Um, or you can get like migraines. So that's a really big sign too, if you get a migraine after eating a food. Mm-hmm. Um, um, anything in vinegar, white distilled vinegar and apple cider vinegar are the lowest. So in the book, I do try to give a couple recipes because you don't want to like never be able to eat a salad again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I want you to try things and that's why there's a yes, no, maybe list. Mm-hmm. So those vinegars are on my maybe list and then like balsamic and red wine vinegar would be on the no list. So like, and then anything made in vinegar, like with mustard or olives, Um, leftovers, you know, if you have food sitting in the fridge for a day or two or three, the longer it's sitting there, the more histamine it's producing and you can't cook that out. Mm -hmm. So that's why I give a guide on how to freeze your food, um, and how to eat leftovers. So you can eat them, but you just have to freeze things and you have to just make sure your meat's fresh and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then like avocados are high, spinach is high, um, tomatoes are high, eggplant, citrus fruits. There's a lot of, unfortunately. Yeah,
0: a lot of the good ones. It's really, it's really sad to try and eat those to mean of (laughs) the beginning. Yeah. And
1: and that's why I, I did 50 recipes for this book, because I really wanted people to, and like Good recipes because I wanted them to eat stuff that they were like, "This is so good," and I don't even feel like I'm missing out. Yeah. And the whole point is that you don't have to eat this way forever. Mm-hmm. Like you are, we're, we talk all about underlying causes, so you can work on those. And I tell you how to do it with a practitioner or on your own, depending on what you're ready for. And then when you start emptying that histamine bucket, you can start adding back some of those foods, and then. You just have to, like, it's a lifestyle change. You have to learn to manage your stress. You have to keep your gut healthy. You have to um, work on hormone levels. And when you can keep doing that stuff, you usually will tolerate those foods for longer periods of time. And then you'll know what foods you just can never eat, what foods you can eat sometimes, and what foods you can eat freely. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. I want to dive into all of that. So let's go back to root cause. We talked a little bit about Mm -hmm. this before. So you mentioned the gut issues and you mentioned like mast cell activation syndrome. What other root causes could there be for histamine intolerance?
1: So vitamin deficiencies, um, B6 helps break down or helps DAO break down histamine. DAO is that enzyme we talked about. And then mm-hmm. copper and vitamin C help to produce DAO. So if your DAO is low and you have a deficiency in those vitamins, it's going to be even lower. Mm-hmm. So we want to work on building up those levels of DAO, right? Um, any type of inflammatory bowel disease is going to you know, be a problem because inflammation, like one of the biggest jobs of histamine is to cause inflammation. Mm-hmm. So if you already have an inflammatory bowel, And then you have histamine issues, or you know, your or that DAO enzyme is low, you're gonna have histamine issues. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of medications cause it. Like a perfect example is antihistamines. They're, you know, sometimes people have to take them short term, but they actually do lower that that DAO enzyme. So they kind of are hurting you and helping you at the same time, which is why like a supplement version with stuff like quercetin in it is a is a natural antihistamine, that won't reduce that DAO enzyme, but, but there are, there's a whole list in my book of, of, um, medications that lower
0: that enzyme, okay. so. It's kind of like antacids, it's like, you think it's yeah, in yeah. short term, and it's just making it worse.
1: Um, so much worse, and they cause gut issues, you know, antacids cause le- uh, SIBO, mm-hmm. so, and leaky gut is a big cause of histamine intolerance, you know, yeah. yeah. so most i mean so many things got related but definitely there's a, a couple other things too
0: so what's the relationship with thyroid health
1: so when you aren't producing enough thyroid hormone your body will produce more mast cells so mast cells are one of the cells that produce histamine so when you produce more mast cells you're going to release more histamine and thyroid issues tend to be inflammatory you know about 96% of people have hashimotos which is the autoimmune disease that causes hypothyroidism and it's an inflammatory disease. So inflammation increase, you know, histamine increases inflammation. So in turn, um, you know, you're, so you're then releasing too much histamine and then that can also in turn cause autoimmune disease. So they kind of work against each other and then hyperthyroidism can do it too. When you have hyperthyroidism, so too much, thyroid hormone you're producing too many um histamine receptors so your body's just taking in all this histamine
0: okay i'm sure people are gonna ask is there a test i can take to see if i have histamine intolerance um or is it just figuring it out by trial and error
1: I think that um, the, the good thing about this is you can figure it out by trial and error so you don't have to pay for a test. I do talk about a t- test in the book, but I honestly don't re- use it. Mm-hmm. I just know when people have it. So mm-hmm. I'll give you guys a PDF. I'll we'll link to it. Mm-hmm. And it's basically how you test it. So it gives you the highest histamine foods mm-hmm. and the, the symptoms to look for. So what you do is you start eating these foods. If your current symptoms are exacerbated, or you get new symptoms, and then you remove the foods. So let's say you give yourself a week. But if you're feeling terrible at day two, stop. Like, yeah. I mean, you don't have to do the whole week. But then remove those foods for like a week, right? And if you start to notice a decrease in those symptoms, you have histamine intolerance. It's okay. easy.
0: So yeah. do – I was going to ask that. Like, So say you're just testing it out for yourself and you're removing the high histamine foods to check. Like, How long do you need to take them out for? Is a week usually – I think
1: a week can give you some type of difference. um, But, but, you know, in the book, and I, people are, um, you know, emailing me about this. And I say in phase one to remove the foods for one to three months. And that doesn't mean you don't move through the different phases. in that period of time, you just you want to go through at least one month of removing the foods in the no list Mm -hmm. before removing which phase three is removing more foods that that's the maybe list. Mm -hmm. So you want to give yourself at least a month of not feeling any better Mm -hmm. before you start removing the phase three. And that's, and honestly, most people don't get there. Most people get started to feel a lot better before that and they don't have to remove more foods.
0: What are like the biggest offenders, like the
1: fermented food? Okay. Yeah. I think fermented vinegars, um, avocados. That's so sad. Those are pretty bad. Yeah. It's like spinach for some people. I never had a problem with spinach ever, but avocados would definitely give me migraines sometimes. Sometimes they would, sometimes they wouldn't.
0: Yeah. I have a problem with spinach.
1: Do you? Yeah. Yeah. I used to make, oh, and strawberries are really big one. I used to make a strawberry, Bit like a half a banana, which is a histamine liberator, mm. and then spinach and avocado smoothie. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, Why do I feel so bad? This is all healthy food, like yeah. you know, and I didn't understand. And even one of my kids has that you know, he would drink the smoothie and get like a little rash on his face every time. And then once I started to figure out what this was, I was like, Oh wow,
0: okay, ah, can, can you talk more about the histamine liberating foods? Yeah,
1: so people? they're not. Um, themselves high in histamine, but they, they kind of like release the histamine in our body Mm -hmm. already. So we're not getting histamine from the food. It's just releasing what we already have in there. So it's a problem for some people and for some people it's not. So those, a lot of the, the liberators I put on the maybe list.
2: Mm -hmm. And then there's
1: also DAO blocking enzyme foods that I put on the maybe list or some are on the, the no list. It just depends. Cause I, you know, I, the reason I was able to make, and everyone has their own list. There's so many lists out there, but I work with people, you know, that I have the luxury of having it myself and working with thousands of people. Mm-hmm. So I get to see what foods are the biggest triggers and there's tend to be mostly the foods on the no list. Like, most people are good with the other stuff.
0: Yeah. Besides bananas, what are some liberating – histamine-liberating foods?
1: Um, Chocolate, cow's milk, um, papaya, pineapple, strawberries, but those are definitely on the no list because I see a big reaction with those. Wheat germ, um, and then a lot of, like, preservatives and dyes.
0: Okay. Gotcha. So – I feel like bananas and chocolate and strawberries are the most annoying ones. (laughs) Um, Okay, so could someone just take DAO, like a supplement, and be fine?
1: So DAO as a supplement um, doesn't work like – it's not like something you can just take every day and you're going to have DAO. Um, So it's something that – like. I heard, um, I read maybe in one of Ben Lynch's articles or something, um, cause he had, that's a supplement I recommend his DAO if I, if I do recommend it, but it's not like, it's like you take it, it's more of like, if you want to have a drink, which PS alcohol is one of those big, big, because <laughs> it's fermented. Mm-hmm. So, um, you would take your DAO enzyme then to hope to have like a less reaction I wouldn't recommend drinking alcohol if you're in a really acute phase. I mean, some people can't eat really barely anything. They're have, they're really symptomatic. You're not going to want to drink alcohol then, but if you're like on the mend, you're doing pretty good overall and you want to have a drink, taking that DAO enzyme would be a good idea then.
0: Okay. So can we go through like an overview of the different phases slash process to kind of clearing this up? Yeah. So in
1: In reality, I do it different in my practice than I do in the book. Um, it's very hard writing a book as a practitioner because you can't test people. Yeah, so you have to write it for someone assuming they're only going to read the book. Mm-hmm. But most people who read my book become my patients. But <laughs> so I did really try. i I tried to keep that in mind. and i I with each underlying cause, I said, do this if you're working by yourself, Mm -hmm. do this if you're working for a practitioner. Like I literally gave you the names of the tests to ask them to test you with, like Mm -hmm. for the underlying causes, not for the histamine intolerance, like gut testing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you need to do is remove the biggest offenders right away because that's going to give you the fastest results. I put um, supporting the liver as phase two, but I really want you doing that right away also. It's just what I meant was number one is remove the foods. Number two is support the liver, but you can literally do those both starting on the same day Mm -hmm. because the liver is, has, you know, one of the biggest jobs of any organ. So we have to be able to push toxins out to not have stuff circulating and not have our hormone levels out of balance and which that all drives histamine intolerance. So I really like people supporting their liver. It really, it really allows you to tolerate it a lot more. Mm-hmm. I put every one of my patients on my liver love supplement, and it's, and I take it every day. And it's like completely removed my chemical sensitivities mm-hmm. um, just because my body knows how to, what to do with the toxin. Once it gets it, it pushes it out. So if, you, if your liver isn't doing that, if it's congested, you're gonna, it's going to show up as skin issues, And it's going to show up as just you getting very symptomatic. Your hormones are going to be imbalanced and so on and so forth. So if you are not my patient, you would then continue with the diet changes until you get to the level that you're okay. Um, And then you can start trying to add things back in. If you are my patient, I'm doing testing. I mean, I do testing to Mm -hmm. see what's causing it. I'm looking at your gut. I'm looking at your adrenals, your sex hormones to see if you maybe have any mold issues, heavy metal, whatever it is um, that could be driving in your vitamin deficiencies. And then we're working on those things as, you know, we're going through all
0: this. I would just like to say I take liver love every day <laughs> for everyone listening. Um, but I, I want to talk more about the liver and what are some ways just like broad scope to support the liver. Okay,
1: so I I give you multiple options because I try to make, you not have to spend money. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can do natural stuff and you can do supplements. I find taking a supplement is easier than laying down with a, um, what's it called? Castor oil pack.
2: pack? Castor oil
1: pack. 45 minutes a day on my liver. I personally would rather just take the supplement. Mm -hmm. But you can do that. Castor oil packs, you can do um, Epsom salt baths, you can do infrared sauna But, you know, there's a very good point to make is that heat increases histamine. So some of these things, especially if you have any flared up skin conditions, like if you have eczema flare, Mm -hmm. sitting in a sauna could make you much more flared up. Infrared saunas can be great for helping your body to detox. But if you have any kind of flared up dermatitis type issue like eczema, Mm -hmm. um, you would not want to do the the sauna at that point because the heat Mm -hmm. is going to be something that really flares you up. So you just have to kind of be careful. That's why, to me, the supplement is easier.
0: Okay. What about, are there any foods in particular that are low histamine that support the, the gut or the liver sorry
1: liver yeah apples and carrots those are both antihistamine foods and they're both really good at liver support beets are really good for liver support okay. um if you like the taste of them which i don't <laughs>
0: no i don't unless they're like dressed up um well mm-hmm. speaking of foods so remove the high histamine foods do you find that macronutrient ratios play any role in this at all
1: Um, yeah, I think that, um, I am, I'm a protein person personally, like my body does well on animal protein, Mm -hmm. but you know, it is, does contain an amino acid, which turns into histamine. So you don't really want to eat like massive amounts of meat for Mm -hmm. some people. Like I said, for me, it doesn't bother me. But I don't eat massive amounts of really anything, so I guess that's probably why. Like, I eat small meals throughout the day. But Mm -hmm. um, I think, like, higher-fat foods are better, Mm -hmm. Um, high-carb foods not so much because they're probably feeding the gut bacteria, Mm -hmm. and that can, you know, cause a whole issue. So I would say, like, a clean version of keto, which is actually possibly what my next book might be about, is, like... A clean or like a low histamine clean keto, mm-hmm. because it's really good for helping with the gut, um, and which is one of the main drivers of histamine intolerance. Mm-hmm. And just in general, it will help you to release less histamine.
0: We are going to take a brief pause from this interview with Dr. Becky Campbell to chat about one of my favorite companies today's show sponsor for Sigmatic. I have been consuming For Sigmatic mushroom elixirs for years. I think I was 19, 19 or 20 when I first tried these, and it's been a true love affair ever since. If you're not familiar with Four Sigmatic, they make drinking mushrooms and superfoods delicious and easy to do. There's a whole kingdom of mushrooms out there with so many amazing health benefits for immunity, energy, longevity, cognition, but so many people don't know how to take advantage of them, and that's what Four Sigmatic helps us do. They sell tins for at-home use and single-serve packets, which are very convenient for carrying and sharing, and all you have to do is mix their products with a cup of hot water, or you can mix them with nut milk. You can also put them into smoothies or shakes. There are many different options. I personally typically just mix it with some hot water, or I'll mix it with some coconut milk, and they taste delicious, and I really have noticed the health benefits, and I notice when... I do not keep up with my Four Sigmatic routine. If I'm being honest, I have at least three to four packets of of, of this every day. I love that I'm getting the health benefits and that these are the highest quality ingredients out there. They test their products for pesticides, heavy metals, irradiation, mycotoxins, and other factors, which is very important to me with my history of heavy metals toxicity and mold illness. If you're curious which of the Four Sigmatic products I love the most, it's very hard for me to pick, but I have to tell you, I have been drinking coffee recently, and Four Sigmatic is a great option if you want to drink coffee because you know that it is mold-free, and they mix their coffee with functional mushrooms like cordyceps and chaga or lion's mane and chaga, and you only have 50 milligrams of caffeine per serving, so that's far less than the typical coffee. In the mornings, I've been having either the mushroom coffee or I love their matcha latte mix. It is so, so delicious. And then during the day, I have some combination of maybe cordyceps, which is great for energy. This is especially good for athletes. I love that it's natural energy without the caffeine. I will sometimes have the lion's mane if I really want to give my brain a boost. Lion's mane is amazing for supporting your memory and concentration. So if you're a student or you really need to focus in on something you're reading or writing, definitely want to use that lion's mane. If you want to support your immunity, I love the chaga. It is very high in antioxidants and just an overall great boost for your immune system. And then their reishi mushroom elixir is my favorite nighttime blend. It really helps to reduce any stress and great for supporting sleep. Today, for example, I had the matcha latte mix for my morning beverage. And then I have had a packet of lion's mane to get my brain going. And I had a packet of chaga a couple hours later because I'm all about supporting that immune system, you know? And the effects of these build up over time. So taking them regularly will really help you see even stronger benefits. So if you are interested in trying out for Sigmatic Mushroom Elixirs they taste delicious. You really can't go wrong. Then hop on over to forsigmatic.com/crw and my code crw will get you 15% off your purchase. Again, that's forsigmatic.com f o u r s i g m a t i c.com/crw and my code crw will get you 15% off. All right, now that you know about my favorite mushroom elixirs, let's go ahead and hop back into this interview with Dr. Becky Campbell. Well, it's interesting because I don't understand this, but I mean, I think carnivore has helped me so much, but I'm eating a lot of protein. Um, but maybe it's because you're I'm eating the right types. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. And
1: you're, and starchy car, and this is what we've talked about privately so many times, like some people, their gut, like, they cannot break down starchy carbs and they look pregnant every time they eat them yeah. and I'm not like a carnivore I'm naturally a carnivore like I could easily do the carnivore diet but I don't because I want to eat vegetables and they don't affect me in a negative way mm-hmm. but for some people and I've told you going carnivore yeah. like if you're that having that bad issue with bloating mm-hmm. and you're not tolerating veggies well you have to these are things you do but you can do it temporarily mm-hmm. and you can then you know, work on your gut and work on whatever the other issues are and then try adding foods back in.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. I think also like, so I am eating a lot of protein, but I think because just my overall histamine bucket is low, it's like mm-hmm. fine that it's a lot of protein, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um. So yeah, you told me a long time ago to go carnivore and here I am <laughs> finally listening <Yeah>. to you.
1: <laughs> and it's crazy because like, I don't ever want to identify myself with any one type of diet like paleo keto carnivore. That Mm -hmm. is not what I'm about. I'm about individualization. Mm -hmm. So if you do well with that, that's a great diet for you. Mm -hmm. But someone might do terrible on keto. Mm -hmm. Like if they're if they're a thyroid patient and they start eating keto and their hair is just falling out. I'm like, you got to stop eating keto. And like, it's yeah. just not for you. But then some thyroid patients do great on keto. Like everyone's so different. Yeah. And so I, I really like to take a paleo diet mm-hmm. and alter the amount of carbs, fat and protein, but using the same, like don't eat, you know, inflammatory foods mm-hmm. type of thing. And then of course, then when you have a histamine component, you have to start moving histamine foods as well. Um, but I think that's a good diet to kind of start with and then yeah. you can kind of adjust the macros within that diet.
0: Yeah. I'm the exact same way. I think we have a very similar nutritional approach. Um, okay. So that makes sense. Okay. So, uh, work on underlying causes, support liver, remove highest mean foods, then what?
1: Then you start seeing if you can handle them, okay. you know, you but, but one of the biggest contributors is stress. Mm, mm-hmm. So this is why things can vary so much day to day for people with histamine intolerance because of their stress levels varying. Like I think people notice on vacation that they can eat a lot more random food and not get a reaction because their stress levels are low. Mm-hmm. So... Um, really, really working on stress and not just like trying not to be stressed out. That's like not how it works. You gotta do some actual like training and techniques and whether it's meditation or mindfulness training or whatever. Um, but but really incorporating like a routine to help yourself manage your stress on a daily level mm-hmm. is is really, really important when it comes to histamine intolerance.
0: So What's your routine? How do you manage your stress on a daily level? I exercise. I have to exercise.
1: Um, If I don't, I definitely get anxious um, because I I have a lot of energy. (laughs) And if I don't leave it some way, it gets built up. Mm -hmm. And then I meditate after I exercise, which is, like, maybe not the, the way you're supposed to. But for me, when I stretch... And then I lay there and I sit there for about 15 minutes and I just do kind of what I learned learned from um, Emily Fletcher in her program. And then I um, am working on saying no this year. Yeah. So um, not doing anything that makes me really unhappy, just to make other people happy and you know, I just, I wrote these books very close together. Mm -hmm. And with my thyroid book, I said yes to like everything. And I was so overextended and and also having a full practice and three kids. Um, it was a lot and it was a lot for me and, um, I don't like doing TV and I was doing a lot of TV. So this year I had a bunch of TV scheduled and I was like, you know what? I'm not doing it. I don't want to. And I decided not to, and I love podcasts, so I'm just doing podcasts and trying to educate people myself, like, on my Instagram and with my blog posts, mm-hmm. and that's what works for me. And it's really, like, I was, I had a TV appearance, we, I think we're going to see each other soon, yeah. um, in L.A., and I was stressed for, like, a month about it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. So I canceled it. And now I'm just go on a vacation. <laughs>
0: yeah, good for you. And we get to hang out.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, learning to say no, you know, learning to say no to stuff. Um, God, definitely don't eat anything because someone makes you feel bad about it. That's weird to me. People going, like, for the holidays are like, how do I not eat the spaghetti that they put down? I'm like, say you don't eat that. Yeah. Like, and if they get offended, that's their problem. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, so that's, that mostly and then I meditate again once later in the day like, like 15 minutes
2: mm-hmm.
1: so I it's I took I used to do the mindfulness training apps and um, they were cool but then I took Emily Fletcher's course and I really liked it and she kind of taught me more how to actually meditate mm-hmm. and it really is helpful
0: Yeah, I think there are so many different ways to meditate that a lot of people who just say I can't meditate I'm like well try a different type there's so yeah. many different ways to do it Um, but what do you suggest? Like, let's say you have a patient who's super resistant to meditation. Do you have any other suggestions? Yeah, I
1: just say, um, doing what makes you relieve stress. So if it's hanging out with friends, Mm -hmm. laughing, so even if it's watching a funny movie, you know, Mm -hmm. as often as you need to, or, you know, I think being around people and being social, Mm -hmm. um, is really helpful. It's healthy for you. You know, isolating yourself is not healthy for you. Um, and, you know, even though I talk a lot about exercise intolerance because it's a big component of histamine intolerance a lot of the time, um, don't stop exercising. Just do the do a, a less aggressive form of exercise because it is really important in, for so many reasons for your body. But it, it's a great stress reliever.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you want to know what my favorite stress reliever is? Yeah. My favorite is sending – funny memes back and forth with you that's laughing
1: though right exactly yeah me too if I can laugh I would take laughing over anything yeah which is why I like funny guys like you could be like not that cute but you're funny I think you're like the hottest person in the world (laughs) but it's because it's it's fun and it makes you feel good and you feel healthy when you're laughing it is such a big stress reliever yeah and having funny friends like you is really really helpful.
0: yes (laughs) I love that we can always make each other laugh I swear to god I could spend like five hours on overheard bumble (laughs) And just laugh my ass off, like
1: <laughs> because have lived it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I had that exact text once. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, so, um, let's let's talk about exercise intolerance, since you brought it up a bit more. Okay, um, let's say someone's listening; they're like, "Exercise intolerance. What does she mean?" Yeah. So.
1: It can happen in different ways, but mostly you just start not feeling well after you exercise. It could be something you've always had, but most of the time it's not. Um, So you are doing a certain type of intensity. Let's say you do CrossFit. Let's say you do Orange Theory, something along those lines. Let's say you're not even doing something that aggressive, whatever it is. And you get dizzy and you are really fatigued and just kind of out of it after. I mean, everyone's symptoms are different, but that is exercise intolerance. So basically your body is saying, hello, stop doing this. This mm-hmm. is not where, what you should be doing right now. Mm-hmm. So there's different causes of it. So when you exercise, you do release histamine. So that's why a lot of people with histamine intolerance – will get exercise intolerance eventually if they don't address the histamine intolerance. Um, but there's also, which is going to get a little kind of science-y for a minute, um, with mast cell activation syndrome, there's a couple of co-kind of like diseases, as if you will, like go with it. And one is called POTS. So that's postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. So basically when you go into a certain positions, your heart rate speeds up. So a lot of people will notice when they go from sitting to standing, or if they're working out, they're doing lunges, they're doing a burpee, something where you're going down and then back up and they're getting really dizzy, that is related to this whole thing. But that may be more related to mass cell activation syndrome. So I have mass cell activation syndrome and POTS. So I have struggled definitely with exercise intolerance, which is why I talk about it a lot. Cause I want to tell people how to deal with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but so for me, like not currently, but when I was really struggling, um, I was having trouble even like on leg days, it was just like the worst. I was like, why can't I do like squats and lunges and mm-hmm. stuff? And it was, it was, so, and the histamine release. Um, but you can also get it from adrenal issues. You know, you like, let's say you trained and I have done marathons. So like, let's say you do a marathon and that's a lot of strain on your body in many ways. And that stress on your body causes your, you know, adrenals, which your adrenal glands produce different hormones, but cortisol is our stress hormone. So let's say you're really, um, raising your cortisol levels with this high intensity exercise. And then you go to exercise again, your cortisol levels are going to jump up. Mm -hmm. So that can also give you that feeling. Or you can have really low cortisol and you're kind of just depleted. And so your body just can't tolerate much. So there's different reasons for it. But a lot of them are histamine related. You know, if you notice you're in that histamine lane and then you're getting this exercise intolerance, it's usually due to that. So you just have to change what you're doing. You don't need to stop exercising. And I really emphasize that because... Like I said, there's so many benefits to exercising, even if it's taking a walk around the block and that's all you can do, do that. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's yoga, Pilates, you know, lightweight training, whatever it is, um, you got to keep moving, but just don't do it to the point. You want to feel good after you exercise, not like you just are going to die.
0: Yeah. So when you were dealing with the exercise intolerance, like what, what did you do and how long did that last before you could add other things back in?
1: So, um, I remember specifically when I was taking orange theory, I would literally go, it's, it's the minute I stopped moving would be when I noticed it the most. Mm -hmm. Um, I would go sit in my car and I would have to sit there for like 35 minutes before I could drive. And I was like, okay, (laughs) this isn't working. Um, so I had to start doing like stuff that I hate doing. Cause like I said, I'm a high energy person. So I like when I work out, I like to do like running and like, you know, I, I don't like to do yoga. I, I just don't. Um, but those types of things can help you to still be able to, to get the exercises you need. Um, or you can do weight training, just the right type, you know, mm-hmm. not like, like slowing it down and not doing, you know, supersets and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, So that's what I did. I did not stop, but I just started doing different forms of exercise, and then I started working on the underlying cause, and then I was able to increase my intensity. And now, like, I'll never do a marathon again, but I can run. I run with no problem. I mean, I can run, like, three. I run, like, an average of three miles a day if I run, um, and then I do weight training, like, three times a week, and I'm fine.
0: So how long did you have to slow down on the exercise for?
1: Um, it happened twice in my life. One was when I was first diagnosed with my thyroid issue, Mm -hmm. um, that I did probably like a few months. I started doing Pilates, um, and then slowly got back into like weight training and, and running and stuff. And then, um, you know, you start slow, you start with walking, and then you run a mile, and then you like run two miles, you know, you just build up the tolerance again, mm-hmm. and always listen to your body. So for everybody, it's different. I mean, I, know I can't give you a range, like how long it's going to take you, it could take you a month, it could take you six months, like, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah. you, you will get back, you may never get back to doing something really high intensity, you, you just might not be able to tolerate it. But you will always be able to do some form of exercise for most people.
0: Yeah. So for as long as I can remember, anytime I do like cardio, like running, elliptical, whatever, I get a huge rash all over my body.
1: Mm-hmm. That's I, system- yeah, yeah. Because you're releasing two things. One, you're releasing histamine when you exercise. Two, you release histamine when you're hot. Mm -hmm. So that's when people, I've had a lot of people, I actually did a post on Instagram and I said, what's your biggest um, like mystery symptom? Mm -hmm. You know how many people's answers were like rash related to heat and exercise and like when I exercise or when I'm hot or when whatever this appears and it's always like redness or my like, I'm tingling or whatever, and I'm like, histamine, histamine, histamine. Like, every question, I'm like, that's histamine, that's histamine. Yeah. So I have to go in those. <laughs> but
0: Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Well, yeah, so, like, I mean, and I've, I realized that, like, a couple years ago, I didn't know what the cause was, but I was just like, I get a rash, so I don't want to do this. And mm-hmm. I've always done more, like, lower-intensity exercise, I feel like, because I usually just lift weights. But it wasn't until this year that I realized that, like, weightlifting was, was – giving me exercise intolerance or like releasing histamine because anytime I would do a weight training session, which I was like resting, you know, two to four minutes in between sets, but because it was heavy weights, I would get so dizzy yeah. and like feel like I was going to die after the session. So I think it yeah. just goes to show that everyone has a different like tolerance. Like so I, thought, I thought it was low intensity, you know, it was like strength training. So I thought it was going to be fine, but it made me feel worse than, I mean, I could do like circuit training with light weights, and I'm fine.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing too. It's, it's about like, so if you're doing weights and you're exerting yourself more, even though it's just, you're not running, you're still exerting yourself more. So you're, you're definitely releasing more histamine and everything's changing inside your body with, with that, that going on. Mm -hmm. Um, so yes, you, I could see why that would be a problem for some people, but then you could go to like body weight only types of, Mm -hmm. um, exercises and you might do better yeah. and I also think a big key is um cooling down like a lot of times is let's say you're training with a trainer and you're doing like squats lunges you're doing all this stuff and then you're done you just stand there yeah, or you just go sit in your car but you never really cooled down you didn't give your heart rate time to come down too yeah. mm-hmm. and so for me like, I do my bike, you know, I have a Peloton, at, when could I live in Florida, so I'm not running year-round, um, but I know that it, I, I have to give myself that, like, two-minute cool-down time mm-hmm. because if I don't, that's when I get dizzy. Like, if I get off the bike and I not cool down, then I'll get dizzy. If I can cool down and bring my body back to kind of, like, baseline, then I feel fine Yeah. and I feel good.
0: yeah. That's a good point. I think a lot more people have exercise intolerance than realize it.
1: Oh my gosh. So many, especially people, and this is more adrenal related, but especially Mm -hmm. um, I have a lot of like ex fitness pros as patients and they, you know, just ate like queer diets, you know, cutting carbs, adding carbs, like doing all this crazy stuff while they're preparing for shows and they're really putting a lot of strain on their adrenals and they're, you know, exercising so much and they're doing it for years and then they just kind of burn out. So, yeah.
0: There's definitely a price to pay for doing physique competitions. I think That's so, too, for yeah. sure. Um okay, so so let's talk more about reintroduction of foods. What is the process I, like for mm-hmm. that like in what order? How long do you wait to reintroduce? How do you do it?
1: I would not say in order um, because it's everyone's food intolerance or you know everyone's histamine. Um, triggers are going to be different, but I do give a a download to a food diary. Mm-hmm. And I really encourage people to keep that because you'll start to see a pattern. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not an immediate reaction, you and it's a day later, you're still going to see a lot of the same pattern with the certain foods. Mm-hmm. So I would say the foods that you have the least problem with, introduce those back first, but never introduce more than one food at a time. Mm-hmm. You've got to give yourself time in between because every action can happen up to a week later. So you want to, like, I would say introduce, let's say, um, let's say avocados. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, or let's say spinach, because it's an easy, like I said, a lot of people don't have that reaction with spinach, even though you do. Mm-hmm. So Let's say you want to have, like, a salad and you want to introduce spinach. Put some some spinach in there, some other type of lettuce. Eat it one day. Give yourself a couple of days. See what happens. And then maybe try it again that week, like, at the end of the week. Mm. And if you still are, like, good, you're probably good with that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But then if you start to go into, like, you know, something like an avocado or fermented food and you're okay the first time but then the second time you're off mm-hmm. – You those are those foods that you're gonna say, well, I can probably have this sometimes. I can probably can't have it every day. I can have it maybe once a week, you know, or or I can definitely have it on the days I'm not as stressed, or like, you know, take the other things into consideration on the days you're gonna be eating those foods. And then if you try a food that you're just reacting poorly to every time you try it, you gotta just cut it out and accept you can't eat it.
0: Okay. So I mean that's a pretty big window, like waiting a week.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, it can be like two or three days, you don't have to, but I would, I like to have try the food a couple times, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because then you'll know, like, if you eat it two or three times, and you have zero reaction, that's probably a food you can start eating all the time again. Mm -hmm. But if you're like, tried it, didn't react, tried it, reacted, tried it, didn't react, tried it, reacted, that's, the food you have to like maybe do once a week. Like I'm like that with avocados. Mm -hmm. I can eat them sometimes. And sometimes they give me a migraine. So I don't ever know when it's going to be. So I don't eat them often. And I, when I eat them, I hope that I won't get a headache. (laughs) And sometimes I do.
0: I hope and pray. Well, is it also dose dependent too?
1: I don't think so. I think, um, I think maybe for some people but I don't think so because think of everyone's size is so different you know what I mean so how do you dose that
0: yeah that's very true I just wonder if like you know maybe like every time I have an avocado I have a quarter and it's fine but then I notice every time I have half I'm like yeah of course
1: the most the more you eat of something the more of a chance you have of having a reaction for sure but I I don't think that It's going to always be that way for someone. Like they can always eat a little bit but not a lot. You know, sometimes they can't eat a little or a lot. Mm -hmm.
0: Definitely. Okay, so one other thing I wanted to ask you. So I think for me personally, the hardest part about eating a low-histamine diet is the leftover aspect because Mm -hmm. I've always been someone who lives off of leftovers. Like I can easily take out any food in my diet, but the leftovers are hard. So do you have any tips for – someone who's used to leftovers.
1: Yeah. So I have a whole section in the book. So one is freeze your food. So the heat doesn't take histamine away, but freezing it stops the production of histamine. So if you make a meal and you, and you are reactive to leftovers, cause you should try it. Like I'm not reactive to leftovers. If it's like a day, mm-hmm. even two, especially the the better I am, which for years i have been pretty good. Right. So, um, I can eat leftovers for two days and be fine. But if you can't, you freeze it. You just freeze it right away. So let's say you made dinner. There was extra. You want it for lunch tomorrow. Freeze it. Mm -hmm. Then take it, you know, but the thaw process, the longer it takes to thaw, the more histamine is released. So you want, you know, like, and, and also the longer you cook something, more histamine is released. That's why I talk about using the instant pot versus like a slow cooker. The um, some pot is great for histamine intolerance. So, and then um, I like our single serving foods that I can s- stick in the freezer. So like I'm a big patties person. Mm-hmm. I take like chicken, ground chicken, ground turkey, ground grass-fed beef or bison, whatever. I, you know, in the book, I give you a bunch of recipes for these. You make them into patties. You stick them in individual Servings. You stick them in the freezer, Mm -hmm. and then you can take it out while you're getting ready in the morning, and or you can, you know, put it in the pan and make it just like separate the meat and make a taco or whatever you want to do with it. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's a lot you can do. But so, and then you can do like little servings of chicken if you want to put that on your salad, Um, and just you know, it's easier. You just have to. You still have to cook it, but you're not at least having to like prepare it and then cook it. It's already kind of ready to go.
0: Yeah. What about with vegetables? Like, just make everything single. I think for the veggies
1: meal? tend to um, have a little more like lag time than meat does. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always, I always encourage people like, if you're noticing a problem with leftovers, why don't you try freezing your meat? Mm-hmm. And, like, if you made extra veggies the night before, try eating your veggies that were left over from the fridge and then just thaw out the meat and cook that and see if you do okay with that.
2: Okay.
1: Um, and some people do fine with that. And some people, like I said, the, I mean, you can get to a point where you're fine with leftovers. That's the whole point of the book is to teach you how to get to that point. Mm-hmm. You don't have to make every single thing from frozen every day. I don't do any. I don't do that. Yeah. I don't have to. But I do, I do still do like the food prep and put everything in the freezer.
0: Okay. Gotcha. So final question. What do you think is the most misunderstood thing about histamine intolerance?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. I
0: think that people – think it's a food sensitivity.
1: Like they they get food sensitivities and histamine intolerance uh, confused. And with food sensitivities, I think that comes more from um, like leaky gut, Mm -hmm. where your body is, you know, your food is getting out into the bloodstream in large particles, your body's tagging as a foreign invader. And every time you eat that food, you're responding with an inflammatory response mm-hmm. um and then there's an allergy also they you know people think that it's the same thing as an allergy and it's not you're not going to have like an anaphylactic reaction most of the time where you need like an epipen. Mm-hmm. um but it's just that with histamine intolerance it's that you don't break down histamine well the food you're eating has too much histamine so that histamine isn't being broken down in the body and it's then building up in an abnormal amount, c- causing symptoms.
0: Okay, gotcha. Good. Good one. I think people definitely do get that confused. So, for sure. Thank you so much for explaining all things histamine intolerance. I'm sure this is going to be very helpful for people. And where can they get your book if they want to learn more? Amazon and then, you know, all,
1: all the bookstores have it, but Amazon's where most people get it.
0: Okay. And,
1: yeah, and I'll give you guys that handout. I'll give you the link for the handouts. So they can do the home test and then follow me on Instagram at Dr. Becky Campbell. I try to post a lot of information about histamine on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my website is drbeckycampbell.com.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Campbell for coming on the show.
1: <laughs>
2: happy. <for having>
0: <laughs> huge thank you to dr becky campbell for coming on the podcast and talking all things histamine and making that so easy to understand and accessible make sure that you check out her new book the four phase histamine reset plan, and you can find her at drbeckycampbell.com and on Instagram at drbeckycampbell. If you enjoyed the show, take a screenshot, share it on social media, and tag Dr. Becky Campbell, tag me at Christina Rice Wellness, and tag the podcast, Wellness Realness Podcast. If you aren't following us on Instagram, make sure you follow Wellness Realness Podcast. And I would love to have you in our Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe. If you're not already there, go ahead and join so we can talk about the episodes, talk about random things, ask each other life questions. Nothing's off limits there. And it's a great way to meet other like-minded individuals. And as always, if you enjoy the show and you want to show me some support, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes if you haven't already. It is a huge help to me in getting the word out about the podcast. That will be it for today's show. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day and I will chat with you again next episode. Bye.